Welcome to Homestead Gardening in the Texas Gulf Coast with Kristen Howard. Today's podcast episode includes a special guest. Stephanie is an experienced life coach focusing on helping teens learn essential skills and build a better mindset to get a better life. In this episode, Stephanie and I discuss how we use gardening for self-care. Self-care in this episode will be framed in the context of gardening. We will be exploring how gardening can positively impact your mood and emotions, how to remove and replace distractions, especially those that may cause anxiety or depression, and how the garden has offered us opportunities for self-care. Stephanie offers some excellent insight in this episode and some interesting tools that may help improve your mindset. This week's YouTube episode gives a fun nod to today's podcast episode as I show you how to use three of your five senses to identify plants in the garden. Well, first of all, thanks for letting me come on your podcast. It's such an honor. And I consider you not only um, a friend, a fabulous friend, but also someone who I really respect and admire because um, you really put your heart and soul into your life. And I, I think that's the kind of people I really like to gravitate to. So thanks for letting me on this podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I've learned so much from you as a life coach, and I know this audience is going to learn a lot from you today as well. So I'm super excited. So last week we talked about doing a podcast together. I wanted to specifically hit on a topic that I don't think a lot of people think about when they're gardening, which is um, self-care, you know, the emotional and spiritual, physical support that gardening can give. And I thought you'd be the perfect person to talk about this today. I spent a little bit of time thinking through this before we recorded today. And I know you did too. Can you tell me kind of what you were thinking or how you um, got into thinking about this topic? So, you know, I was, <laughs> I've had this corn, I got some sweet corn and I had it sitting on the counter for a couple of days. And I was like, Fridays, I tend to like to regroup. I like to prepare for the next week. I like to hit some, you know, if I have a few clients that really need to get a session in, I like to save it for that. But I also like to use it for going to the store or whatever, but this corn need to be done. And so I was sitting there working this corn. I wanted to freeze it. And so I was blanching the corn. And as I was doing that, I was thinking about this podcast because I was super excited about it. And I was thinking about, you know, how does mental health impact me? You know, I'm always talking about gardening. I'm always doing gardening. I'm always sharing gardening secrets and tips that I learned. But I was really, I, I guess I never really sat down and thought, you know, what does garden give me? Why do I like it so much? You know, the first thing I just grabbed a piece of paper and I was at the counter writing this down and, you know, it gives me patience. I think one of the things that I lacked in my adulthood was the patience, you know, letting nature take its course. Things are going to happen in its own time. And I just needed to learn a little bit about, about that. It also helps me get a clear head. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but like things like pers perseverance and gratitude and calmness and confidence, knowing that you can start something from this teeny tiny little seed and within months you're eating it. And it, it is incredible that challenge over and over and over to try to do new things, but happiness and hope and planning and really, you know, I don't talk a lot about it, but it's really the activity that I get from it. You know, whether I have something on my mind and I need to burn that off or if I have frustration, 
you know, from business or whatever, I just burn it off when I'm in the garden. And then it really gives me encouragement. And I think the one thing it's really helped me understand, or I guess learn is understanding. Because, you know, sometimes we, I feel like, now this is just my perception, but I feel like we live in this world these days where it's want, 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 instead of need, 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 meaning let's go what we need, not with what always we want. And, you know, I was really bad at, about that in the past. And so gardening has really helped me to understand that, you know, it's on the garden's time, not my time. Even though I want those cucumbers to grow as fast as I can, I need to be patient. I need to sit back and I need to watch every stage because if I watch every stage of the growth, then I can begin to understand where I can nurture it and take care of it and improve it. And that to me has really helped me with my relationships. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, some of the topics you, you mentioned or just some of those comments about what gardening is giving you. The biggest thing that stands out to me is the uh, world of want instead of need. What I've learned as a gardener is that I don't always get to grow what I want to grow either. Sometimes my garden decides what's going to grow or what should grow or where I live. And so what I try to teach is how to learn to grow what your garden wants to grow <laughs> instead of what you want to grow. I, I do think it matters. I think, and, and I've changed my taste buds. People ask, well, what's your favorite thing to eat or grow? I go, uh, I just have to eat what grows. I don't get to be picky. Um, I made a post the other day and it was about uh, a cantaloupe that I grew. I don't eat melon. My husband's allergic. I don't really grow it. I grow it a little bit just for novelty. I haven't tried it in 10 years. I actually liked it. I probably would have never eaten it again if I hadn't grown it myself, you know? So it's just thinking about the, the want instead of need. My body probably needed the sugar that day because I was exercising and it's hot out and the, the, the good calories, you know, um, I'm sure there's a lot of nutrition in that, that I wouldn't get from the grocery store anyways. There's a lot on that we can talk about later. I love that. And I think that you're, you're not wasting either. And I think that's a commitment to the gardening too. I mean, why do we want to waste? Especially we work so hard because it takes months and months to grow that one little thing. So applaud you for that. That's awesome. One other thing that you've mentioned before, and I think a lot of people would agree with once they've been gardening for a while, but maybe new gardeners wouldn't realize as the benefit of gardening. But I really think gardening supports emotions and moods, or at least can help you manage that. Can you talk more about that idea? Yeah, you know, I've really given that some thought. Yeah, I just want to talk about quickly just a study that they did. Um, and it was a group of scientists in Florida that found that Gardening actually lowers your stress, anxiety, and depression in, in women specifically. And they did this study with a bunch of healthy women and they garden twice a week for, for four weeks. And they had a comparison group and that was an art group. But they found that both involved like learning and planning and being creative and physical movement. And they did these assessments to assess their mood and depression and anxiety through it. And all of them decreased on those three and improved on their moods. And they called it therapeutic horticulture. And I thought that would be, um, you know, a term maybe, I don't, I didn't know if you were familiar with it because you're into horticulture, but uh, I thought that was interesting. I don't know. What do you think? So there is a book that talked just about studies on um, healthcare and gardening. This study specifically was working with hospital patients and their families. This study indicated that 
hospital patients that abused to nature had a more positive outlook on their situation, their mood improved than patients without the view to nature. But the patients that had access to physically go outdoors, who could, who could do that during their recovery, were capable of going on outdoor short walks, things like that, also improved their recovery as well. And I think we know that now, um, being you know, 30, 40 years after the study, we know that physical therapy helps and, and moving after surgery is good, but I don't think they knew that back then. They also showed that families of these patients would actually have a positive outlook, more positive outlook too, if they had access to nature. And I think that's why since this study, more cities, especially Houston, have centered a lot of their parks around the downtown areas where the medical districts are, because Houston has poured in millions of dollars in high-end parks, different, you know, and not just big giant soccer fields, real parks, people could either walk or sit, relax, have views, different areas, shade, not shade. Um, and I really think that these studies, they don't just prove to you and me as an individual gardener, but they've proven to everybody that nature has a ton of value. And when you live in a more compact sub suburban area or city, you kind of have to rely on government and things like that to help you with that. But there's obviously a correlation between gardening and health and mood, you know, emotions. And you said lowers anxiety and depression. I mean, I know that on a personal level for sure. Absolutely. You know? Um, but I, I think maybe a new gardener would have to be convinced a little bit more. So I'd love for you to talk, if you're willing, I'd love for you to talk more about what you know on that or what you've yeah, experienced. And, and I'm glad we actually talked about those studies and I knew I had an answer to the question, but I, I know that you pay attention to this stuff and I think it's so important. So, um, I figured you might have a story or two. So, um, I, I think it's important for people to understand what I, I think and what I know, you know, I've had 32 years of developing people to live their best life. And I feel like God gave me this gift to be able to help people. And here's what I know. You know, your brain can't do two things at once. So when I'm gardening, my thoughts are consumed. And my vision, I'm constantly looking and searching and observing. You know, I'm listening to the sounds of nature when I'm outside. I don't have my ear pods in. I'm listening to the music of nature is what I'm listening to. And I'm using my hands. I'm getting dirt on my hand. And sometimes if I'm lucky, I even get a little taste from the garden if it's producing outside of this hot Texas heat we've had. And then, you know, what I know is that our brains build mental images through our senses. We input information through our, or we intake information through our senses. That's how information comes in our body through our five senses. Some people will say your sixth sense is your self-talk, which is true, but that's how we bring information in. And so Every time we have an experience, one of our senses experiences that and creates a mental image, whether it's a visual image or a sound image, whether it's a feeling image, our brain creates an image. When I'm gardening, those mental images make me feel good. I'm always creating the mental, well, except when the, the plants burned up because I didn't do it, but you know, you know, 99% of the time I'm creating good imagery in my head that's making me feel bit good and then even when I think about gardening down the stretch it brings up those mental images and it continues to make me feel good we turn every experience into a mental image and that mental image we then take and we assign an emotion or a mood or a feeling to it and I think this is what people don't understand is that when we have that mental image it's going to get assigned a mood or an emotion or a feeling 
And that feeling then impacts the way we make our choices and our decisions, and it impacts the way we behave. And if you're not aware of all that, you're going to make a lot of decisions and choices based on moods and feelings and emotions. So all of those impact our outcomes too. If we make a rash decision based on a mood, our outcome's probably not going to be very good. And outcomes determine how we feel about ourselves. Every outcome we have determines how we feel about ourselves, good and bad, or mediocre. So let's say, let's just for instance say, instead of going outside to garden every morning, I just lay in bed and watch TV. Instead of getting up, going, get my chickens out and watering, I decide, you know what? I'm feeling funky today. I'm just going to lay in bed and I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to put on Stranger Things. I'm going to catch up on Stranger Things. So my eyes are busy. I'm seeing things. My ears are busy. I'm listening. But what happens if the sound or the image, the visual imagery that I'm seeing, what if it triggers a negative image that I've already collected in my brain over time? If I'm sitting there watching that and all of a sudden I get a worry that pops up when I'm watching Stranger Things because something triggered an old mental imagery that I had or or an auditory, you know, or a feeling. So then all of a sudden I'm allowing time because I'm not keeping my mind really that busy. I'm allowing time for those negative things to start seeping in. And if you're not aware of that, then you allow it to seep in over and over and over. So I might be using a lot of senses while I'm watching Stranger Things, like maybe I'm tasting that um, delicious popcorn I just popped, you know, in the morning, so, or last night's popcorn. But my point is, is we have the ability to control our anxiety, depression, and, and moods. And we have that same power to create positive outcomes, positive mental images to improve our self-worth. If I sit around a lot, I leave a lot of room for those negative thoughts and feelings to stir up. If I have focus, if I stay active, if I'm gardening or planting trees and flowers or doing whatever you love to do, it doesn't even have to be outside. But if you do what you love to do and you keep learning, now you're filling your mind with opportunity to learn. You're filling your mind with opportunity to have positive outcomes or to learn from outcomes, to create even better outcomes. That keeps your mind exercising and that keeps all of that crazy worry and crazy anxiety and depression out of your head. Is it foolproof? No, because your brain can switch on a dime, but you have to have that awareness so that you can grab a hold of it and say, whoa, I'm laying here and I'm getting all anxious. I got to go do something. I've got to change my physical demeanor. I got to go do something. I got to put my mind focused somewhere else. Does it exercise my mind? Yes. Does it exercise my soul? Yes. Does it exercise me physically? Absolutely. Because I'm always creating projects around the garden. But you know what? I have that power every day to make the choices on my outcomes. And I want positive outcomes because my self-worth, it's hard getting older. I want my self-worth to stay where it is and get even better so that I positive impact on people around me and not take out my frustrations and my personal low self-worth out on others. So I think gardening has taught me so much. And I think we can learn from gardening, but more importantly, we can learn a lot about that personal awareness to what we're doing and put your energy towards learning something or growing something or a positive outcome. So that's just my two cents. I think that's fantastic. I want to touch on two things that you said that really stuck out to me. Um, the, the couch potato story that you told 
you're just laying there, not doing anything, right? Not, not engaging, not doing anything. You know, for me watching TV, it's so boring. (laughs) There's so little activity that I reach for my phone. I reach for, maybe I go cook with my phone, with the TV on, I kind of adjust myself so I can see it all, right? It's just, I have to have more going on, but gardening and immersing all the senses, it's so interesting how true it is that you can get lost in the garden. All of your senses are fully immersed in everything. In fact, when I'm in the garden, we have a road that's actually pretty noisy next to my property. When I'm in the garden, I don't know it's there. I don't know there's traffic. I don't know it's all happening. It's not until I was recording my YouTube episodes and hearing all of that traffic that I realized it was there. That's how immersive and how impactful the garden and nature can be. It can, it can completely obscure all of your senses in such a positive way that you don't know that that nasty afternoon traffic is sitting visually. I mean, it's just a stone's throw away from me. In today's social media and uh, technological age where everybody has a device or everybody has a distraction at their fingertips, can we dive in more to um, how to approach gardening or any activity, any, you know, self-care activity that specifically gets you away from that addiction of constantly being on the phone, constantly being in front of a distraction and just hear more about your opinion. I have, I have very strong opinions on this. <laughs> yeah, I do too. And it's funny because I work with kids mostly. Um, I work with adults and kids, but you know, it's funny how much I find that either the parent or the child is so distracted from just life in general and they don't know how to communicate because they're so distracted. So, you know, when it comes to gardening, you know, how do I get out there? You mean like just get out there and shut the world off and take that mental health self-care for me? How, how do you make conscious decisions that you're going to separate yourself from that technology? I'm going to set you up with this. Um, I've invited many people to the garden. I recommend just because we're using a water hose and different things that the phone stays inside. If you leave your phone in the garden and it's on silent, you may not find it ever again. So I recommend it's inside. What I never thought about was that people have Apple watches and all of these phone connections on their wrist Mm -hmm. and they don't actually leave the distraction inside. They leave the device that's not waterproof, but not the distraction. So how do you... um, recommend people break this addiction. It's probably easier for you and I, cause we have more practice with that, but how would you recommend or go about that? Well, that's a really good question because I've had to really search myself over the last three years. You know, I used to work at it with a big corporation for 18 years and I quit to go on my own to start my own business. Well, unfortunately the marketing all falls upon your own shoulders. And so that requires you to spend a lot of time on social media, next door app, whatever, right? podcast, whatever it's, it's, you're constantly attached to this phone and, you know, it was struggle for me. And here, here's my, here's my tip. If you find that your distractions are interfering with your relationships, if there's a lot of frustration in your relationships and your conversations that you're having, or you're not even listening or whatever, or you're not paying attention, I would do a self-check on why are they saying that? What's, why are they saying that? Because for me, I think that was the hardest, you know, with Carissa and I, uh, she hates social media. Honestly, Carissa and I hate social media too. I hate it. I'm on there because I want to help people. It's not on, I'm not on there scrolling through people's, 
I only scroll through to watch people I know because I think there's, it's just such, it can be such a waste of time when I can be really being present with somebody else and having a real conversation with somebody in front of me. And so, and get things done because I tell you, I hope I don't go off on too many tangents here because I feel really strongly about this. And so, you know, when I was trying to launch my own business, I was not managing my time enough in order to put that social media work or that content where it belongs. And that's in a workspace, not when Parissa's around or when my neighbor's around or when we have a group of people with a birthday party, because that's distracting all in itself. I was being rude because I was behind in my day and I wasn't holding myself accountable enough in order to limit that social media and limit that screen time so it wasn't affecting the relationships around me. There's a time and a place. Sure, do I want to catch up on some things on some of my apps? Yes, but I know when it's going to cause me a problem in my relationship. So I've gotten a lot better at managing my time. I actually established a routine in the morning. First thing I do in the morning is I go get my chickens out, give them fresh water, feed them, make sure they're taken care of, water the garden. And then I sit on the patio and I go through social media. I go through all my apps. I've made social media a priority for me in the mornings before noon so that I don't have to be doing it at four o'clock when Carissa walks through the door. And that just instantly sets a tone that I don't want to have. I want to have a good relationship. I don't want to be the distraction in the relationship. So I think, you know, you have to make a conscious effort. One, being mindful of what you're doing when you're around people. And two, not be posting stuff about people that they don't want you to be posting about. That causes a huge rip. You're taking pictures of other people and they don't want in in the, uh, they're not social media friendly. Like don't put them on there. That also causes problems. So I think you have to understand the people around you, the expectation, but I think you also have to understand just because social media is your life, it's not somebody else's. And when you let it become a part of your hand all day long, well, you're getting influenced even if you don't know it. And if you're getting influenced by that cell phone, how do you know that influence is going to help you? How do you know it's not hurtful to you or somebody else? Or how do you know if it's right or wrong? But we spend so much time and what I've seen over the last two years, three years is what I've learned is people believe their cell phone more than they believe each other. And if that's where you're at in life, I think it's time to maybe, you know, check the facts. Is that cell phone affecting your relationship? Wow. That's so true. And and the internet's been like this uh, getting worse and worse for a while anyways, in that, in that way where, you know, is it lying to us or is it true? And it takes me as a professional in my industry, it takes me a while to uncover the truth on a horticulture topic because I have to sift through a lot of incorrect information. So yes, there's a lot of, even if they're accidental, there's a lot of lies on the internet and you have to be very careful. But did you know, and this is not supposed to be off topic. This is on topic. I swear. Did you know, (laughs) did you, did you know that the, um, your home, if you're connected to the Wi-Fi and your phone is part of your home system. If you're at your home and you have a personal computer, a PC, you know, your all of your accounts are connected, right? You're logged into everything all the time. If you Google search something on your PC, so if you if you shop for something or you research a topic, those advertisements will now start popping up on your social media. I started a diet the other day. I was looking specifically for a recipe and I used the word keto to help target what I was looking for. The next, the next advertisement on my Instagram social media platform that I received was for Pizza Hut. But I've never been targeted for an advertisement like that. I was targeted because it was obvious I was dieting. It was mess, it was messed up. That was the most messed up. Now I, I, 
I've had my husband search for desks. Like he'll look for office desks, office furniture. And then I will, I haven't, wouldn't have talked to him during the day. And at the end of the day, I'll say, Hey, my social media has been getting advertisements for desks. Are you looking to upgrade? Well, yeah, I was looking for that earlier. How did you know? No way. My husband's computer, because we're all connected on the same home network. That's what's happening. It's amazing how we can be exploited as people through social media from the advertising side. And of course the platform's made to be addicting. We're encouraged to make shorter and shorter videos to be more addicting, things like that. A lot of the videos have no value because they're just supposed to be addictive videos, things like that. And that's upsetting to me. And I think that's why my videos will never be viral because they actually have some content. (laughs) 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 And I'm like, perfect. Only three people saw that. Good. Uh, (laughs) That means it's working. Um, But, you know, I always thought that I was not being rude using my phone. I say, I recommend people leave the phone inside when they got to the garden, or I put my phone away in a completely different room when I have guests over. I put it on somebody's counter when I visit their home. You know, I put it on silent, something like that to kind of be respectful and avoid a temptation. Well, what I didn't realize was I've been rude to myself. I always thought, well, I'm not going to do that for other people. I'm going to make sure that I separate myself so I can show I'm being respectful to them. But I had to ask myself, am I being respectful to me? And on your social media platforms, especially on Instagram, it's very easy to find your background analytics. And analytics will show you how many hours a day you spend on their platform. And they want you to spend as much as possible, but they'll tell you how much you've spent. And when I saw, when I didn't think I was on there that much, and I was really organized, I saw that I was still spending an hour a day on Instagram, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. And I was floored with how much time I spent. And I've been rude to myself. I wasn't making time for exercise because I didn't have time. Well, there it was an hour a day Mm. that I, that I was making time for something I didn't need instead of something I really did need. And I was saying, I don't have enough time in the day. And that's one of the excuses I've been hearing from a lot of people, my age, they're so busy with kids activities or um, life. But when, if you actually go and take a look at how much time you spend, if we, if I'm going to say, I want to start a garden tomorrow, but I don't have time, maybe evaluate a full week of your life. And that's my suggestion to a new gardener or a current one, evaluate your, your week's worth of, of time that you spend to see how am I spending my life? Am I putting in the time at the right places? Am I disorganized and need a schedule? Like you said, you, you figured out that you needed to schedule yourself and get organized with your time. And you have a a routine now that is working for you. I mean, it's something you and I discussed when I was having trouble getting through my day and I didn't see, think I had enough time. You asked me, you know, do I even (laughs) have a routine? No, I really didn't. Um, And I'm still working on that. I think it's, you know, you have to consist consistently work on that routine and, and make it work for you. And you can't just pick something. And then when it doesn't work, you quit. But I think that anybody could start a new hobby that improve themselves, whether it's gardening or something else. If you evaluate your time and how you spend it, and then remove the things that aren't valuable and wasting your time and replace them with something that would be good for you. I agree. I agree hundred percent. You know, I have another challenge. I like the challenge that you just kind of gave your listeners was, you know, start something, you know, start something small. I I have another challenge too, I think. Um, And for you, the other challenge you, you asked them was also to how much screen time are you actually giving yourself? Because when you are, but that's the, one of the biggest things I hear too, is they don't have time. And 
the next question, or if they're worried or anxious, I always ask them, how much time are you on your phone? That's one of the very first questions I ask. Or how much do you watch Netflix? So there's a lot of things that I do I, I, that I ask right up front. You know, another challenge I think would be this. I had a fourth grade teacher. Her name was Mrs. Patrick, or sorry, Sister Patrick. She was very big on distraction. And I remember she had all of our desks facing the chalkboard, which put our backs to the door. Every, when people came to the door, her expectation was you don't turn around and look. And when somebody came to the door, if she saw somebody turn and look, she'd whack that ruler on the desk really loud. And it, it, everybody would turn their attention back to her. And she said, students, remember, we don't turn around at every distraction. Keep your focus. Keep your focus. You know, I remember that because this thing is like Pavlov's dog. I tell you what, it dings or your phone or your, your watch. I always keep my watch on silent most of the time now because it's still going to buzz on me on my arm. But what I remembered over the last year was that story. And so my challenge is that if you really want to take control of your day, because I was really struggling with a routine and really getting things accomplished because of this stinking, the alerts on my phone. Chris is always like, oh my gosh, you have an alert for everything. I'm like, I do. So what I did was remember that story. So I challenge all of you, when your phone starts dinging or your watch does, don't look at it. Really try to not look at it. Keep it for five, 10 minutes. Just start with five minutes. So if you hear a ding, let it sit for five minutes. And then start to increase that time to see how long you can go without having to respond immediately to that, that ding on your phone that notification. I think for many, that would help a lot. And you'd find you'd probably get a lot more done in the day. But more importantly, you'd probably pay attention to other people more. So that's my challenge to everybody. Yeah. You know, if you if you don't have self-control, if you're going to go do a hobby, put your phone in another room or put your phone on silent or um, vibrate your messages instead of having a ding, that would really help because you're right. The Pavlovian response is, is insane. Uh, because when you review whatever you've been notified with. Usually you get a push notification from like a social media and you get a dopamine hit, you know, um, those are very powerful, you know, and they, and they, and you keep wanting more. Um, uh, but if you don't have the self-control, put the phone in another room, that's extremely helpful. Just get it away. And that's why I like to leave the phone inside when you're gardening specifically, you know, you'll, you'll be punished for bringing your phone outside. It's going to be muddy. <laughs> going to be wet. You know, yeah. you can't, you have dirt on your fingers or a glove on, you can't use that phone anyway. So just get it out of there. Because and I've too- left mine in the garden too before, and it's been in the beating sun. So I don't take it to the garden anymore. I had to replace my phone because I did, I did that. <laughs> uh, that just ruined the camera. Um, I had it upside down. Cause I thought, Oh, that'll be fine. No, the camera's exposed. I mean, oh. I've, I've made every mistake in the book, you know, um, for a while I, I wanted to play music because I thought, well, this will really help get at, me out of my head. No, I really benefited from just not having anything out there with me. It was fantastic. Another thing too, when you're, when you're specifically gardening and talk about these dopamine hits, we can, we can actually give ourselves, um, drugs by going out in the garden. And let me put that in a different way. So that sounds horrible when you say (laughs) drugs, right? But, but you, you know, you can boost serotonin in the garden by digging in the soil. So think about this. If you don't have a garden, you don't have a vegetable garden. Everybody has something, a potted plant, a front yard. Everybody has weeds. I guarantee you, everybody, even if you live in an apartment, you can go find yourself some weeds, go walk around your apartment complex, 
go pull weeds for people. Who cares? It, you know, pulling weeds is the same as digging into your, into your soil, into your compost. It's releasing microbes, which will boost serotonin. And that's kind of crazy that microbes are giving you serotonin, but pulling weeds can give you a boost, a mood boost. And that's kind of interesting. So if you don't have access to a, a garden, the way that you think that we're talking about a vegetable garden is something that you have to purchase and spend a lot of money and time on, go pull some weeds, go yeah. dig in some dirt, not dirt. Sorry. Those that's dead. Pulling some, you know, dig in some healthy soil, <laughs> get some of those microbes released into the air and take advantage. Why not? Who, who's it going to hurt? Nobody. You're, do, you're getting something done. You're getting a chore done and you're going to boost yourself and replace those. I never those, even knew that until yeah, re you said that. Replace those dopamine hits with, with some serotonin hits. Why not? And the sun. Don't forget the sun while yeah, you're out there. A little vitamin, you know, wear sunscreen. <laughs> but yeah, a little, a little vitamin D. And, yeah. and, and there's, uh, this is again, not trying to tangent, but there are actually, um, I, I wish I could find the website. I found this uh, a decade ago. There's, there are websites that will have charts and it will say at this time of year at your location, spend this much time in the sun over blacktop, over concrete, over grass to get a full day's worth of benefits. And in the summer, it's three minutes over blacktop. You need three minutes to get your full day's worth. In, in the winter, it's like an hour. You know, I was just thinking, and I really want you to tell your audience a little bit more about microbes, what they are, because I've learned a lot just from following you on social media about that. But, you know, I think of it like this, huh? If I can get serotonin from digging in the dirt every day, I'd be digging and being on a lifelong pill to improve my serotonin, right? Which I think it'd probably help my liver a little bit more in my kidneys. So yeah, I mean, why not? Right. Okay, this is going to gross you out. You know, microbes, <laughs> microbes are everything from E. coli, right? And, back, and bad bacterias to good bacteria. So when we're talking about beneficial microbes is the term that's used in gardening. Um, we're talking about beneficial microbes. It's what's supporting the, the healthy soil and it's in compost. And so beneficial microbes specifically break down organic matter in a positive way versus disgusting being disgusting, like an E. coli bacteria and things like that. And you can actually grow bad bacteria if you're not careful, but it's, it's hard to do if you have a healthy, you know, ecosystem in your backyard. When you're decomposing organic matter through composting, through all these different permaculture methods, you're building up the microbials. Um, and if you're not capable of doing that, there's something wrong with your soil and it's not able to do that. You can buy products to help you. Well, can I relate microbes to mental health? please. Oh my gosh. It was so interesting. I, I love learning about microbes because my composting is definitely cold composting and I'm doing it wrong, <laughs> but I'll, I'll get better at that now that I understand the whole micro microbe thing. So when you were talking and you were talking about this bad bacteria, this good bacteria, you know, making sure you understand how to create the good bacteria, not the bad bacteria, like that's all knowledge, right? Well, as you were talking about it, I was thinking about negative thoughts and positive thoughts. And if you can understand what's fueling, which one is, which, what, what's fueling your negative and your positive thoughts, then you can pay attention and you can put more nurturing into the positive thinking patterns, the positive word choices, the positive thought patterns rather than the negative. So interesting. 
I like that. I, I do think that you can easily propagate a lot of negative thoughts if you start with a negative seed, right? It's harder to propagate the positive thoughts, but same goes. If you start with a positive thought, you can usually propagate more positive thoughts. But yeah, Absolutely. So same, same, with the the same with the microbes. You start with the bad bacteria, you will propagate more bad bacteria, guaranteed, guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it goes back to using the same concepts that I get from gardening, using that patience with yourself, making sure that you're observing your thoughts, like you do the garden, you know, you observe all day long, you know, and that you bring um, the right images to your head to reinforce that positive. So I think there's so much planning, you know, how am I going to keep myself positive? When I see that negative person in the office, first thing in the morning, when my boss comes and slams the door every morning, how am I not going to let that affect me? Yeah. How am I not going to personalize that? And I think there's so much from gardening that translates into our mental health and it just goes hand in hand. Well, I think, I think the interesting thing, I probably spend more time planning my garden and my garden activities each weekend than I would my own life, you know, and I would my own thought, thought process. And um, I think that when you put it in that framing, it makes me think, wow, I'm willing to spend endless time thinking, rethinking, reevaluating, changing my garden, adapting with the garden. Wouldn't it be interesting if I tried that in my own life? Ah. <laughs> hmm. ah. <laughs> I put a lot of, I put a lot of value on my garden. Should maybe I should put a little value on myself. <laughs> Same amount at least. <laughs> I, I want to actually talk about sustainability in the context of gratification. You mentioned earlier gratification. And one thing with gardening that I would just want to mention, you know, if you start a new garden, it's hard to recognize the successes early on. It takes a full season. Um, so gratification, it might be very helpful to know what you need, um, how you need to be gratified by your activity, whatever it is. And, and I just want to throw out there if you're starting a garden or if you're starting the season for your garden, if you're an experienced gardener, it's always helpful to have something that offers you instant gratification to sustain you for those longer gratifications. And I wondered if you could kind of translate that gardening idea into kind of the, the self-care mental side. Sure. I think this is a really important piece because we live in a society, we've created things in our society that when we want something, we can get it right now. Like absolutely right now. If we want it right now, we can get it right now. Might not be what we need, but we can certainly get it right right now. And that that's created short-term wants, short-term gratification. You know, I get that thing in the mail. Woo, I got it in one day. And it's going to make me happy at that moment. However, is it going to make me happy long-term? For gardening and life in general, you have to look at the small wins. If you haven't started to garden your soul and your soul... It, you feel like, you know, you've got the desert, nothing's blooming. You just feel sad and you're depressed. You know, I would start with what you said, one small instant gratification. I think when we're gardening, one, there's a lot of prep that goes into it. And a lot of times your garden doesn't really flourish until maybe the second year or the third year. For me, it's been eight years in progress because I've changed where my garden is and I've learned more year over year. The quick wins are definitely. So when you're starting a garden, you know, Let's say you start with growing basil. Basil is an easy thing to grow. You grow it within, you put the seeds in and within seven days, 10 days, you can 
have that instant gratification. Like that's a win. They came out of the ground. They, they germinated. And you grow microgreens. That, that's it. Wouldn't you say that's maybe an instant gratification? That is a huge instant gratification. And they're just so beneficial to you. You can get your whole vegetable serving and just eating a handful of microgreens. So huge. But yeah, I think it's, you know, in life, I mean, we're faced with so much negative. That balance and that long-term gratification will help counter that negative. And for gardening, does it take patience? That's why I wrote that as my number one. It taught me patience because it takes time. You're antsy. You want that sprout to grow right now. And if it doesn't, you're disappointed. And you're like, oh my gosh, only three of the 10 came up that I planted. And it's like, no, no, no. Three came up. <laughs> I, I don't remember the, t- I don't remember the seven that didn't, they didn't show up. I don't remember them. The three exactly. came up. Right? <laughs> that's that's exactly. the new framing. That's the new framing, but it's reframing your brain, not just for gardening like that, but it's reframing your brain that, you know what? Nobody remembered my birthday. Well, is that true evidence? Because we collect that evidence all the time. Did nobody or did three people remember your birthday? Because that's what's important. You know, Chris and I were just talking the other day. What makes people feel good is when you remember them. And so, you know, value, there's value in that. But I think if you're going to garden, write you down, write down, what will be some of my wins? Well, maybe I just get the seeds to sprout. Maybe another one win is I get one fruit off of that vegetable. Just one little thing, you know, and maybe from there, maybe, you know, you find out your, your dirt was too hard or too thick. And so you just keep trying and trying and you try different things. And those little wins, you write them down because it's easy, it's easy to forget in life where we want. It's really easy to point out where we've done bad because people use the reminders of that, right? That's what society is really good at, reminding us when we do bad. So if you can write those wins down, and keep a collection within a year, two years, your win list is going to be so long. You're going to be like, I'm a gardener. I do it well. So I think that's what you have to think about for sustainability. So I just want to add the way that I document is through photographing. And I found that I can go back years, you know, over 10 years of gardening and see what I've accomplished, what I didn't, you know, what I didn't do well at, but I can improve. Um, I can look back and answer people's questions from when I did something and what I did. I can see that in the photos. I don't have to remember everything myself. And I can attach a lot of positive memories to those photos too, which has been really nice to look back on. And that's why we photograph, you know, is to remember and have those memories. Um, So that's my way of documenting the garden and documenting my wins. And when it comes to social media specific documenting, I subdivide my time. I spend time in the garden without my phone. And then I come back in later and photograph the things that I found as quick as possible, as much as possible. And then I might not photograph the garden for another week because maybe there's nothing to see or I just, maybe I photograph not for social media. You know, I I photograph specifically for social media in a very specific way. So sometimes I show myself things about the garden that I don't show anybody who follows me because it's just for me. It's just my enjoyment. The one thing I've noticed over the past decade of gardening in this location, I have gardened in other places, I didn't quit. There were times when I stopped for health reasons. I had physical injuries, things like that. But at, the mo- at those times, I thought I was quitting because I didn't know if I'd be able to start them again. 
but I didn't. I went back and tried again. If I've killed a plant, I try again. I only give up on something when I can see it's really just not appropriate for the area, right? That's not my fault. That's its fault. It's it, it failed me. <laughs> the plant, that. yeah, the plant failed me. It does. I did not fail. But not quitting on my garden has been really beneficial. You mentioned it's taken you a few years. You've moved the garden around. So have I many times, you know, and, and we've had uh, rainy seasons and drought seasons, and it's hard to predict what's going to happen. The farmer's, farmer's almanac has no clue what's happening in Houston. They just lump Texas in together. That's a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's on me to figure all this out. And my current garden setup should be the last one. I think I've got it right this time. 10 years, I've changed my garden setup. Just think about that. My garden's less than a year old in its current location, in its current setup. As, as what people think is a veteran gardener, as you know, who I am, I'm just like everybody else. I'm trialing and erring and not quitting. And I think that's the key. And when you're talking about soil, maybe not being right, that's the microbe thing. That's the compost thing. You know, you'll get there. It's, it's easy to fix that, you know, but yeah, you might have a bad season because you just have one thing, not, not going quite right with it. And it's not necessarily your fault. So there's no reason to quit. If you're looking for constant gratification or need to have a lot of wins and, and need them to be consistent, there's a process called succession planting. And it's when you start your seeds one week, start some seeds the next week, start some seeds the next week of the exact same crop. And so you don't have to harvest a, what's called a bumper crop of corn or a bumper crop of potatoes. If you have a long enough season that you can succession plant a little here, a little there, all you have to do is remember you know, what stage those are supposed to be in, but you can harvest week after week after week and kind of give yourself that constant reward. You know, one thing I wanted to add, you know, with what you were talking about, it, it might, it probably doesn't even connect. Maybe it does, but one of the things that I like to work with kids on is community and connection because community and connection is so important because we need that tribe to support ourselves. We need um, community to help, you know, support ourselves. Sustainability, I think, comes in community. I think that when, you know, my neighbors, I, I, I live south of Dallas and all of my neighbors were like a community, a small community. We talk all the time. We're always bartering things, bartering food, bartering uh, colonial silver or, you know, dirt or whatever we're, we're bartering, eggs, whatever, you know, services we're bar bartering. And, you know, through gardening, it's really connected us. Yesterday, just four of us in our neighborhood were talking over our texts about gardening and seeds and what seeds you had and can you share any seeds? And, you know, it really just helps bring people together too. But, you know, for me, when you're talking about sustainability, it's about understanding what we're putting in our bodies. And listen, I am not the healthiest person by any means. However, what I've learned over the last three years of our food industry is that there's a lot of things in there that are harmful to us. You know, we have to mass produce food. Mass producing food takes certain requirements in order to harvest. Carissa and I were eating corn from Walmart and not throwing Walmart on the bus, but we were eating corn from Walmart and we cooked it up and it had zero taste, zero, zero taste, zero. We couldn't even eat it. That told me that told me there was zero nutrients in it. So when when I started really paying attention to gardening, one, I got rid of that big corporate busy job that kept me busy seven days a week, and I was missing life. 
I was missing life. All the money in the world, but I was missing life. The sustainability piece for me became very important because what I was learning about our food industry. And when I'm working with kids, we talk about healthy habits. And I think being self-sustainable is a healthy habit because when you can rely on yourself, then you can face hard things knowing that you're going to get through them. And if you're willing to build a community of people around you that have similar interests, similar values, similar beliefs, you, be, you then build yourself. You build yourself up because you know there's people out there like you willing to go the distance and will, willing to provide for yourself, willing to um, nurture yourself, willing to support you. So I think gardening can bring sustainability, but it can also bring community. Yeah, that's really interesting. Are you introverted or extroverted or a bit of both? Well, it's interesting because I've always been highly, highly extroverted and quitting FedEx and being at the house, I've become a little more introverted. Basically, I'm an introvert, but I can pretend really well at being an extrovert. And then it just makes me tired, just exhausted to, to socialize. And so I found that more and more introverts have trouble building that community. And so I want to, I want to make a suggestion. Um, I, cause I still struggle with it now, but one thing that sort of worked for me, um, and I, again, I'm going to apply this directly to gardening. I've occasionally offered to have people come and help me in the garden. So it's a couple hours, once a week, it's a lot of friend time for me. Another thing too, is there are plant swaps around the city and you can participate in these plant swaps. They're usually twice a year, spring and fall. And you can be around a lot of people for two hours, meet a lot of people who are like-minded, maybe socialize with them ahead of time on the internet to coordinate what you want to swap or get an idea of what, you know, who's coming, what's happening and be comfortable with the procedure and, and everything. Um, again, introverts usually don't like new situations. <laughs> So, so it's a little daunting with all those new people, but it's very easy to have that twice a year, big group setting, and you can find a couple of friends, you know, from that and build your community in a way that might be more comfortable. I love that. And that's about having a plan, right? And yeah. executing that plan. I'm very excited about that because it's something for me to look forward to. I love that. And um, I love the plant swap. I've got some plants that I've got pups from I could swap. So I'm going to have to dig into that in Dallas area. So I love that. You know, I'll add one thing and, and maybe this will be like my final thought, but you know, when I find that people aren't happy in their lives, there's a lot of negativity and things like that. What I find most of the time is when I ask them about their values and beliefs, they don't even know what they really stand for. And what do I believe in? What are my guiding principles of life? And so I find that then they're just allowing the convenient people in their life to be a part of their tribe. Well, that's not always helpful or, or it's not always a positive experience because if you're not intentional about watering your soul and gardening your soul and gardening your community, if you're not intentional about all that, then you're just going to take and you're not intentional about your values, beliefs, you're going to just take any Joe Smo and put them in your life and then just live with the outcome, right? Rather than being intentional. And I, I talked about the community that I live in. That's just not by chance. We have nurtured that community around us. We have put a lot of effort and 
and care into building those relationships, just the same as a garden. And we've been very intentional about the people. We, you asked me if I was introverted or extroverted. I think I've become more introverted because I only allow specific people in my life now. I don't allow just everyone like I used to when I had a lot of bad outcomes. So now I'm very selective. And I think part of building a community is understanding who, who you want in your life. Same as what do you want to garden? How do you want to take care of it? Being intentional, I think, is the word. Being intentional with things you do. I'm going to add to that and say, we were talking about intentional. My husband calls me a snob when it comes to plants and seeds. I'm not. I'm intentional. That is such a great, I'm not a snob. I'm intentional. Let me tell you, switching to heirloom seeds of high quality with high germination rate that are appropriate for my area changed the way I was, I became as a gardener. It made me a good gardener. I wasn't a good gardener when I went to XYZ big box store and grabbed something off the shelf, took what was convenient, what was available. Just like you said, that's su such an interesting um, correlation that I've never thought of. I mean, I talk all the time about how important it is to pick your seeds and, and be correct about that. But to really think about the fact that I've had cruddy gardens in the past because I've taken whatever I can get instead of being picky and being specific and scrutinizing. That's not a bad thing to say, I'm sorry, I don't want you. Not, a per not that person but I don't, I don't want those traits or that's not going to work for me, or that's not going to coordinate with my plan this year. Right. And it's I don't not want those behaviors. I don't want those behaviors. Right. It, it's not. And for these plants, um, another episode at some point will be companion planting. Companion planting is when you plant one thing next to another thing, and either those plants are compatible or they repel each other. Either they benefit, maybe one attracts insects. So you have to plant it a little further away but it helps the other plant. It's it just think about that in terms of friendships and community and things like that, that you're talking about. If you, if you're only picking plants that repel and keep the other plant from growing because garlic and onions, for example, give off, um, certain properties, probably oils that will inhibit the growth of another plant. It will promote itself over another plant. It will make sure of that same with sunflowers. Think about that. If you pick a friend that's going to bring you down to build himself up. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Huh. I need, might need to rethink that. Yeah. Right? A gardener would say, oh no, I'm not planting you next to each other. Right. Yeah. But as people, do we, do we think that way? Are we willing to yeah. say no, no. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I think that's the biggest lesson I learned over the last three years is saying no, no. Right. Because... It's, it's hard to say. I think the world allowed us to see people's values and beliefs over the last three years. And it really made me self-check. What are my values and beliefs? Yeah. What do I stand for? And, and, and keep it's not in, a bad thing. And keep it's in mind, good. do I still grow garlic and onion? Yeah, of course I do. I still love that garlic and onion. I plant them a little further away. Ah, right. right? Yeah. I still, I still love it. I'm still going to take care of it. I'm still going to do everything. You're just a little yeah. further away yeah. than, than this other I'll plant. Co I'll correlate that to my brother's. There's a couple of brothers I'm not very close to. I love them, but I keep them farther away because I know what I'm going to get certain times, right? Yeah, so there's nothing. I, there's I plant them farther away. There's nothing wrong with the garlic and onions.
but they have to have their place, right? And if they're not compatible, you make other arrangements, right? I love that. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I can't wait for that episode of companion planning. I love it. Oh that. yeah. That one's gonna, that one's gonna be, yeah, I gotta figure out how to, how to organize that one. That's it's, <laughs> there's so much to talk about. <laughs> You know, I really appreciate you coming on and we talked about so many topics and I think being able to see how we can change our emotion and mood, see how we can change ourselves, but also seeing the benefits of gardening beyond food production um, is so interesting. And I, I'm so glad that we were able to talk about that today. Me too. I've really enjoyed this, this time. Really have. Well, thank you so much. And um, hopefully I'm sure, um, you, everybody can learn a lot more from you. So I'll make sure to include um, how everybody can reach you. And okay. um, I definitely recommend that you reach out to Steph at the very least on social media, just to say, Hey, great job on this podcast. You know, I really hope that you'll do that. So I'll include, I'll include a lot of information um, in the podcast description, and that'll give you an opportunity to reach out to her and say, hi. Well, thanks so much, Kristen. It's been such an honor being on here with you. Thank you so much. Stephanie offers private one-on-one coaching and group coaching, including short workshops that help kids learn all kinds of essential skills to build a better mindset and get a better life. I have personally worked with Stephanie, and I was amazed at how working with her really helped change the way I approached challenges and reframed the way I thought about things that were a little bit troublesome in my life. I highly recommend at the very least you find her on social media and see if some of the skills she helps other people work on are skills you'd like your teen or yourself to work on because she also works with adults. You can find all of her contact information in the episode description. As always, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Don't forget that this week's YouTube episode has a connection to today's episode. As a nod to our conversation today about how immersive a garden can be for all the senses, I use three of our main senses in the YouTube episode to help you learn how to identify plants in the garden. Find out which plants we're identifying and which senses are the key to unlocking the identity of each plant.